When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From pitch side to print to the press box above Providence Park. It's Jamie Goldberg from the Oregonian and Richard Farley from the Portland Timbers and Thorns. This is Soccer Made in Portland. On the scene, all the time. It absolutely is. This is the voice of Will Conwell from Sumtown Footy filling in for Jamie B. Goldberg. What's up, man? Great to be here. I am excited for some soccer. Listen to that radio voice. <laughs> you listen to that radio voice, man. Wow. I'm not sure I even need to be on the show right now. Jamie's going to listen to this, come back, and want to do the show with you. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, for everybody, thank you very much for tuning into this latest edition of Soccer Made in Portland. Jamie B. Goldberg is unavailable for this week. Uh, we're rotating her out. It's it's the theme of the season, or at least the summer for the Timbers. You've got a congested schedule. Have to make use of your depth, and so we're bringing in some town footies. Will Conwell, we're going to have Caitlin Best on later in the show. In the middle of the show, we're going to have Christine Sinclair and Emily Menges. That's not so bad, is it? It's a pretty good lineup, Richard. It, it is pretty good, but it is an NWSL final week here in Portland. The Thorns are going to be in Saturday's final, so it's going to be a Thorns-heavy show, but I wanted to bring in Will to talk about something that not very many people are talking about in the wake of Saturday's result, 4-1 loss in Houston to the Dynamo. Will, at the beginning of the show, we always review predictions and give each other points. You were not here to do your predictions, so just as a person, how many points would you give yourself? Uh, well... Not a lot. Really? I, I was feeling pretty good going into that game, uh, and uh, I wasn't able to watch it live. Uh, I was at a friend's wedding, uh, former host of this show, yes. Mr. Chris Reifer. Yes, congratulations to Chris. Congratulations to Chris, indeed. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that also meant that uh, I was getting updates piecemeal throughout the uh, the evening, uh-huh. uh, and... The spirits were really high uh, around the time of the first goal for the Timbers, and they just, you know, kind of went downhill <laughs> after that. Luckily, uh, there was plenty of distraction and revelry to be had, but, ooh boy, that was that was something. It really was something. We You mentioned the first goal for the Timbers, an own goal, essentially, ball played into the box, goes off a defender's foot into goal, looks great for the Timbers, they're up one nothing on the road, not anywhere close to the number of goals they would need, thanks in part for two from uh, Maro Minotas, who always seems to score for the Dynamo, uh, part of a four-goal night. I think, Will, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you don't feel this way, it's not so much the loss, it's the magnitude of the loss, and the fact that this is the third time, fourth time this year that the Timbers have had this kind of lopsided performance on the road. Uh, what is your feeling about why this keeps happening to the Timbers? Well, these uh, these sort of big losses, these multi-goal losses, uh, always feels like a mental issue after a certain point, right? Uh, you know, when you're when you're looking to fight back and get into a game. Yeah, you can open yourselves up, but that doesn't really seem to be what it is with the Timbers, uh, you know, watching these games. It seems like uh, after a certain point, um, little breakdowns just happen a little bit more often uh, when the Timbers are trailing. I I think this weekend was almost the supreme example of it, whereas we saw with the Red Bulls, it was kind of like a second-half collapse that made it worse, and it, as if everything was deflated. Almost the same thing against DC United, where after Samuel Armenteros gets that gift goal, but gifted by Bill Hamid, things just shift, and then in the Kansas City game, they just never felt in it, really. This one, it just felt like defensive error on a, on a set piece, defensive error on a cross, defensive error on a cross, defensive error on a cross, over and over again. It just seemed like these isolated moments that individuals kind of broke down but for me that almost makes it more confusing because i don't think this year we're really used to individual errors being the problem yeah i'd agree with that uh i think that uh generally with the with this sort of breakdown from uh from 
any team, you know, you're kind of looking to to point fingers. But um, for the Timbers, uh, it's really been, uh, you know, a, a sort of holistic breakdown, I yeah, guess, uh, in, in a lot of their performances. But, yeah, this one didn't seem to be that way. Do I'm wondering, do we think that Houston maybe just is a bad matchup for the Timbers? I mean, here... The Timbers got to win against them. They needed Fernando Adi to come off the bench and get that goal. But when I'm watching Albert Elise, Albert Elise go up against Zarek Valentin, go up against Jorge Villafania, I kind of think to myself, is there anybody on the Timbers that we really trust to contain Albert Elise and Romel Kyoto? I think it's just a bad matchup for the team. Yeah, I think that's 100% correct. I mean, when you look at some of the Timbers' more difficult performances, uh, especially over the second half of the season, like uh, after the the winning streak broke down, or even some of the ties during that streak, uh, it's a lot of the time it seemed to come from teams with you know mobile forwards, teams that are that have guys that are going to make strong runs uh, through the back line or you know float off and pull guys away, um, and you know I think that when the Timbers have to deal with that, they've they've struggled, and this has been a or this was a game that that really sort of came to the fore with uh, with the number of changes that the Timbers made to their lineup with the the uh, the guys who were not in there. Um, and, you know, it was also uh, just a, yeah, like you say, a, a couple of bad matchups uh, that e- even if they had the guys that maybe you think of as the first string uh, wouldn't necessarily have changed. Let me talk about a couple guys who are missing and ask you how important you think they are to the team. Liam Ridgewell. Very. Why? Do, I mean, I, it sounds like such a stupid question, but <laughs> what are we seeing that makes beyond the results? Because the, the numbers speak for themselves. The Timbers have something like, what is it, seven, uh, five shutouts in their last seven games here when Liam, at Providence Park when Liam Ridgewell starts. What is it about him? What is he bringing to the team that's making them seemingly two different teams when he's in there and when he's not? Well, uh, when you've got Ridgewell on the team, you've got a vocal leader, a guy who's going to coordinate uh, the back line. Um, and, you know, in uh, in some of the guys that the Timbers had on the fields uh, over the weekend, it's just not the case. Uh, so that's a factor that's really missing. That kind of is compounded uh, when you lose a guy like uh, Atanella, uh, who... I'm sure it's probably uh, on your list there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> That's but, a little off air. Like Will looking at me going, "Oh yeah, this was the next thing we were going to talk about." But let's talk about it. I I watched that game both going. I don't think Steve Clark was bad. I mean, there was one of the goals where maybe he should have pushed the ball in a different place than you know right in front of the goal. But at the same time, a lot of those plays are just like you think back to Jeff Outenell's year, and it's like dude has had a really good year, and for whatever reason, he hasn't got as much respect as he deserves. But he. Sh- he would have made a big difference this weekend, I thought. One thing that stuck out to me while watching uh, was the uh, some of the struggles that the Timbers had in distributing the ball out of the back. Uh, it felt like the pressure that Houston put them under, they really struggled to, uh, to connect the passes going forward. And I think that's something that uh, guys like Ridgewell and Atanella really would have helped with. Um, both in sort of preventing the uh, the the pressure that was leading to that situation and just their ability to play out of that situation. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, that's another one of those little factors that kind of built up to some of the issues that we saw. I completely agree. I think one of the excuses we always hear whenever a team goes to Houston and struggles, players will say it's such a hard place to play between the – the humidity and all these other factors, the surface, as we saw last year, although players don't say that as much, we know that the surface there does not hold up very well. Well, we saw that this year, too. I mean, it wasn't quite as yeah, how obvious, much, but looking at that pitch. How much should we ac- account for that? Or how much, put another way, should we account for the Timbers' inability to overcome those things? The fact that the Timbers haven't been able to uh, to overcome that, you know, it, on, on multiple occasions uh, is kind of something that I think you have to look at. Uh, you know, the the ability to deal with the sometimes 
crazy situations that MLS can put you in uh, is something that you have to develop and something that you know you need to find players who can deal with. Or not um, lose 4-1. Well, yeah, also that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when you have this sort of situation pop up regularly, um, you know, it's always something that's going to make you wonder if that's something that they need to be factoring into their 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 planning a little bit more than they are maybe okay the big question coming out of this weekend for me is how much people should be worrying about the timbers going forward based on what we saw in houston are you seeing something that impacts how you feel about their chances to reach their goals over these last what six games of the season i think that all depends on what the goals uh, you think okay what do you think are realistic goals well i i kind of they're the same goals that every team says that they have. So, but what do you think are a realistic standard for success this season for this team? Looking at this Timbers team, I think that making the playoffs is a very realistic you know, goal. Uh, I think that getting a home t- uh, a home game in the uh, the play-in round yeah. is an attainable goal. Okay. Uh, I think getting a bye is really starting to push it. Yeah. Um, After this weekend's loss, it feels that way. It feels that way. Uh, and, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, when they uh, when they were you know, coming out of their losing streak, it, it really seemed like, it really felt like uh, that was not the case. It seemed yeah. like it felt like they had reached rock bottom and they had a foundation to incrementally build into something that was going to be a legit contender by the end. I thought, and now I still think their high points can be there, but I'm more open to the idea that their low points are going to occur more often than I think that I thought before they were going to occur. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about Wednesday's game here at Providence Park. Uh, Columbus crew are going to be coming in here for their only visit of the year, the only matchup between the teams of the year. It's an interesting element here. 2015 finals rematch. Steve Clark could be involved in this game, but I think the bigger issue is how the Timbers bounce back from Saturday's performance. How confident are you that they're going to be able to... It almost feels like a draw is a loss at this point. They need to get a win. How confident are you that they're going to be able to get a win? That's not confident, sir. Medium. Medium confident? What is that? Like, the medium sauce at Taco Bell is worthless. Like, you need to go for, like, the Diablo sauce, something that actually has some kick to it. Medium is telling me that you don't even want to answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So, I mean, looking at the crew, uh, you, uh, you, you put out uh, an article the other day that uh, you know, broke down their uh, ability to press and the way they approached Dallas. Uh, and, you know, thinking about teams pressing the the timbers and putting their back line in difficult situations uh and you know cutting off the passing lanes that they're trying to use to to break out of the end uh makes me nervous because the timbers have struggled uh you do seem seem pretty nervous right now man like (laughs) i mean like over the last couple minutes you've been like i don't know if i want to put into words exactly how i feel (laughs) about the next performance well i mean the crew are good they are good Right now, the Timbers have the capacity to be not good, <laughs> which, you know, when you balance these things out, it's kind of an issue. <laughs> the capacity to be not good is definitely, <laughs> should should we put that in the Timbers, at the at Timbers FC Twitter bio, <laughs> the, the capacity to be not good. <laughs> I feel like that's the um, the slogan that is on like some country's currency when like they get taken over by the United Nations and they have to issue like fiat currency for a while. It's like the capacity to be not good. This is our new country's country's motto for a little while. Uh, what's what scares you most about Columbus? Uh, well, the the fact that the crew have been an extremely solid defensive team and the Timbers. Uh, have struggled to break down teams that are going to put defense first. Uh, I mean, they've struggled with it all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, uh, like you mentioned before, at this point, a tie, especially a home tie, really does feel like a loss for the Timbers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, looking forward and looking at where they want to be for the rest of the season. So the idea that the Timbers might not be able to break down a team like the crew uh, is is something that 
it could be a, a little scary if you're, you know, rooting for the Timbers to do something good. No, I mean, they have, right now, the U.S. starting goalkeeper in net, Zach, Zach Steffen. They've gotten, uh, they've got a really experienced athletic player in uh, Jonathan Mensah in central defense. They, as you said, have the capacity to be organized. They play with two uh, defensive midfielders that can sit deep and be effective if they want them to. I think that's what scares me most about the crew is that they can play a number of different ways. Uh, they can press high up against you. They can wait back and counter. They can wait back and play a possession game if they want to, too. Kick the ball around for 16 passes before actually trying to hit you. And uh, I think that's the one thing when I watch the crew that I admire most is that Greg Berhalter is capable of having his teams play so many different ways. I think we saw this last year when they upset Atlanta in the playoffs. Nobody gave them much of a chance because Atlanta was this juggernaut. And, uh, Berhalter put together a plan that really made them look like they were not only the better team, but maybe could even beat Toronto FC in the final, um, in the Eastern Conference final. So I guess it's just a lot of respect for Berhalter, a lot of respect for players like Federico Higuain, who have been around forever and have done everything, and you know they can do everything on a given night. But Columbus isn't the only opponent this week. It's another dreaded three-match week. We've got Minnesota on Saturday. How prepared do you think that the Timbers are going to be able to be come Saturday, given not only a game midweek, but travel on Thursday to uh, Minnesota? Uh, They won't have Vitas there to comment on this game afterwards. But what are you expecting from that in a game that very much feels like the New England game from a couple weeks ago? Well, going into this week, uh, the the one positive that I'm going to take away from... uh, the previous weekend's game, the the loss, uh, is that the Timbers really did, uh, you know, rotate a, a few guys in, um, and you know we we know that they have had to deal with uh, or they've had to make use of their depth this year. Um, so having uh, your 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 starters, you know, ready to go for uh, for these multi-game weeks. Um, you know that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, it's nice to have a squad where every time the lineup sheet comes out, we're kind of surprised as the one or two players that didn't even make the eighteen, let alone who's in the eleven. I mean, I think to a certain extent, the Timbers, even though they have the MVP on the team, they don't have a lot of super high end talent on the roster. They're not the Galaxy, for example, who have super high end talent and problems farther down. The Timbers have twenty guys you would be comfortable playing every week. The question is whether those. Tr- 11 to 14 guys that are starting that week come together to match the talent on the other side. So luckily for them, Minnesota's in a building project and the talent isn't quite there. But even in the game where Minnesota was here, where, you know, the Timbers had to wake up in the second half and to beat them, we saw what Darwin Quintero did to them during that game. There was a lot of element of danger there. So as people who listen to this podcast know, I don't make predictions. Will now gets to make two predictions. Tell me the <laughs> final score of the Columbus game, and whatever points you don't get, I'm going to assign them to Jamie Goldberg. Uh, so the final score of the Columbus game, uh, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. Ooh, that will, like we said, that already feels like a loss, but a completely possible result. Now, Minnesota, they're going to need a win in Minnesota if they go from loss to draw. They need to make up the points. Minnesota score? I think Minnesota's going to get on the board at least twice. Okay. I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. Wow. Well, by that time, we might have the Vancouver Whitecaps either right on the Timbers' tail for the last playoff spot or even push the Timbers down out of the playoff positions for the first time in a long time. Uh, That's something that I've been wondering about here, too, in the wake of Houston. We've kind of gotten used to the idea that the Timbers are probably going to make the playoffs, and they probably will at this point. But a bad week will really take that probably out of there. And the will as well. Uh, so, Will, the last thing I need to ask you is we've got Christine Sinclair coming up on the podcast in a couple of minutes. We've got Emily Menges coming up in the podcast in a couple minutes. What do I ask them? Oh, boy. How do you beat insert team here? Because okay. Insert team here is undefeated. <laughs> yeah. Nobody has ever beat it, beaten insert team here because they've never had to play. Usually another team takes their place. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be pretty pretty wild having this uh, the final here in Portland, um, and having to having to look forward to it 
um, with those two guys coming in here yeah. uh, and talking about it without knowing what team they're going to face. <laughs> yeah. It makes it a little difficult. Well, I put Will in a bad position here because my interview with Emily Mangas and Christine Sinclair was recorded earlier today here at Providence Park. Uh, here it is. And uh, I think you'll notice that the, the tone of this interview is way different than the Haley Rosso and Megan Klingenberg uh, interviews. <laughs> These are two of the veteran, established, mature presences on the squad. And we're about to hear a very mature interview. So, Christine yeah. Sinclair, Emily Menges, you guys can talk about whatever you want. How's the weather? Ooh, it's nice today. <laughs> it's nice today. <laughs> How's the dog? My dog is great. So, Magda right. told me to ask you guys about Charlie and how important Charlie has been to the team's success over the last X years. I mean, I like to think that my dog is the reason why we are in the final. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any proof of that? No. She <laughs> helps us recover. Yeah, she comes every Sunday. She's uh-huh. good at like yoga and downward dogs and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. This might be a little bit too invasive, but we have a lot of MVP hype right now for Lindsay Horan. Do you think Charlie's being left out? A hundred percent. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, Lindsay's yeah, kind Lindsay of overrated. Basically, but... does nothing compared to Charlie. Right. Yeah. Like, sure, Lindsay gets like the. Like name and lights on game day, but behind the scenes, unsung hero, unsung is, hero is, yeah. is Charlie. Yeah, multiple people within the team told me to ask this, so it must be true. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Even Mark would say the same. Mark would say the same. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's kind of <laughs> obvious, but do you think people know who one who Charlie is and two who Charlie's named after? Hopefully, they I know. I don't that. even know if Mangas knows who Charlie's named after. Clive Charles. There you go. Yes. There you go. Congratulations. Yes. Emily gets the first points of the, oh my of the God. show. But you weren't Whipped sure about that, that either. Nowhere. You weren't sure about that either. Well, well he was your coach. Mm-hmm. He's up in the stadium. He's in that MVP mm-hmm. little section of the stadium. I don't really know anybody else up there. Yeah, they're all old. They're all members. old people. Right. Was Clive Charles number three? Number three? Yeah. So or, yeah, because you can't couldn't wear that number. So when I first got to the team, I wanted to be number three, oh. and they told me it was retired. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> the league had been in existence for a year since then, <laughs> but it turns out is on the timber side, and so yeah, I guess it was him. Okay, yeah, I guess I just take it for granted that everybody knows that your dog is named after your coach from UP, but apparently Emily kind of did, like seventy five percent did. Yeah, she was hesitant. I got there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I wanted to ask both of you. I'll start with you, Emily Mengas, first. What's the one thing that you think people don't know about Christine Sinclair that they really need to know? Oh, my God. So this is where it's going. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, backtrack. What's the one thing we can say on this podcast? Gonna... <laughs> Whatever. Besides for the things I probably can't say on this podcast, including her favorite Cards Against Humanity cards, I think oh, girl loves HGTV. Mm-hmm. We watch a lot of that on the road. Um, Are you a f- say, flip or flop fan? Of course. Really? Yeah, we yeah. a lot of flip or flop. Do you have a it's, side in the Tarek versus Christina duel? I don't really know what's going on there. Didn't they get divorced? Yeah, but for the children, okay. they're staying together to well, do the show. That's very big of the them. people we watch yeah. all the time? Yeah. Oh. They're, oh, that's so sad. <laughs> they're really they're the really obnoxious people that flip like five hundred thousand uh, dollar houses into million dollar houses. Mm. I mean, I like their designs. Yeah. Quality. Mm-hmm. I think the last episode of the show I saw, they both picked a bathroom and they had a design off, and they had the people that came in through the walkthrough vote on which bathroom was better, and surprise, surprise, they picked like the same tile and the same fixtures oh, and everything. Meant to be together. I know, it's just a matter of time. Season 12 of the show is going to be so much better. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I will say the most, the things we spend the most time on in our room on the road, mm. besides HGTV, friends, friends, we play a lot of charades. <laughs> really? You do? I thought that was a just great us recording two. joke. Well, I, it's because... I like Emma's to do crosswords, crosswords okay. she's not very good at them. No, I'm not good at all. I'm aspiring <laughs> to be good at crosswords. And so when when I'm was the last time you fully cro- solved a crossword puzzle? With or without Sink's help. <laughs> okay, both. Okay, with so Sink's help. So on the road, they, every hotel always says USA Today, so sure. I'll take a crossword, I'll start doing it, I'll do the whole day. By the time nighttime comes around, it's barely a quarter done. <laughs> and so then Sink will ask me if I need help, and I'll do... I'll. Tell her the clue of long ones. She'll look them up, 
and then she will play charades. To oh, this is so it. fun. So I, yeah. To help me complete. And then I'll take a break, see if I can fill in anything else, and then we'll have to keep playing charades because I'm really not that good at crosswords. Wow. This is great because <laughs> yeah. I was asked to ask you what's the most fun thing you two do on the road, and that has to be it, right? That can get pretty funny. We look up. very old. I know. <laughs> we play bridge. We <laughs> Bananagrams. A um, lot of puppy pics. We yeah. look up a lot of puppies. Because well, I want a puppy, so I want a puppy. Yeah. Okay, what's the timeline on this? When oh, are you going to be able God. to do this? Well, I, I keep going in and out. I'm We're way too if it's a good mature. life decision for her. <laughs> I'm trying to keep plants alive first. <laughs> How's that going? It's okay. You have it's to right. tell everyone your most recent plant. I bought purchase. a plant in the Orlando airport. It was a baby palm tree. It's so cute. It's supposed to grow four feet tall. So far, it's four inches. Did you name tall. it Cling? No, we named it Chirp. Okay. After the oh, naturally, <laughs> after <laughs> the cricket that kept Sink awake the entire night before. Okay. We had a cricket in our hotel room. Mm-hmm. In the hotel room, not outside. Yeah, oh, and no, I'm and laying there. I'm like, wow. I was asleep through the whole thing. What if Orlando planted crickets in your hotel room? They probably did. Oh, well, that's we a good in move. Orlando? I don't even know. It was because okay. I bought that's when I bought the, yeah. the palm tree. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's kind of a creative move. Yeah. yeah. Sabotage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, Christine, your turn. What is one thing everybody needs to know about Emily Megas that they don't? Oh, I was going to do the crosswords and the friends. Mm. She can recite friends. Um, I would say we can both recite friends. Both, huh? <sighs> we watch a lot of it. Trying to think. <laughs> You're like an open book. Yeah. <laughs> really? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe that's what people don't know. She does consume one coffee throughout the whole day. She buys an iced coffee, (laughs) yet at 5 o'clock at night, it's still there, and it's, like, warm. (laughs) Still drinking it. It's genetic. Oh, puppy. Yeah, that's uh, Merritt Paulson's dog is making an appearance on the podcast right now. We should actually invite them in. It'd fill up a lot of air, probably. (laughs) Oh, Um, So one question that I thought about, I thought about this this weekend because... Um, Kendall Johnson is back in town from UP, former teammate of yours. And I want to ask you to, um, as you as you guys approach a big game on Saturday, what is one teammate, who is one teammate that is not here right now that you so wish was able to take part in this week with you guys? Like past teammates? Yeah, because yeah, I don't want you to select out your favorite teammate here. Because obviously your favorite teammate is here with you right now on this interview. But from the, somebody that can't... <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, hard because like you can't pick a teammate that's still in the league. Yeah, you can. You can. You absolutely can. Yeah, because most of your, I mean, well, there are how some. How do you pick one? You just say the name and then don't say any others after that. Who's Cat Williamson? Okay. Oh, Cat! Yeah! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, you got. You all should all be right. allowed to say more than one because obviously it sounds like probably an eight-way tie. So many point. people. Right. I mean, I don't know. At least for myself, being in Portland. I've seen so much turnover, so I haven't moved, but so many there's so much movement throughout the league that people come and go. It's so hard to like you want everyone to be on the same team almost. You mm-hmm. love everyone. Everyone's great people. We don't have many people in this league that you would. But so yeah, it's hard to say. And then people retire and so it's hard to say. But Cat's a gem. Cat, yeah. Cat is a presence Cat's in the locker room like no other. Yeah, even somebody like me that's only been like on the fringe of the team during this time, I feel bad having only one person singled out, too. So who else comes to mind? See, it wasn't I so... I mean, you, you know, it's not hard. easy. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Kendall. Kendall is a great teammate. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Aunt finds that part very... Anna's Anna. the same. Mm-hmm. Like, even someone like... Somebody else who's back in town this week. Yeah. yeah. Even like an Angela Salem, like who's like oh, gone God. away. Like, yeah. Why isn't she here right now? Is she going to come we, back for Saturday? We promised. Oh, we said that if we made the finals, we'll fly, her back we'll fly you yeah. back. Yeah. So. I mean, she. I mean, she wasn't here for long, but she yeah. was a part of this team for a oh, good stretch. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She. I put her in the um, Kendall category as well. She does such a good job of connecting with everybody. Everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. On and off the field. So that leads me to another question. Um, you've been here since the beginning. You came shortly after the beginning of this uh, club. What has changed the most over the last four or five years, not in terms of the squad, but the organization, the actual culture around the Thorns? Um, I think for me it's just been the professionalism of it all, mm-hmm. like whether that's 
like from the ownership down from the the fans I mean you look at pictures from that first year the the stands I mean we had a lot of fans that first year but I mean it is mm-hmm. we're light years ahead now and just you come to work every day and you you truly feel like you're part of a professional team and that first year there are definitely some kinks to be worked out and mm-hmm. uh I mean we were like training out at Nike it was just it's things are so smooth now that in, the, in terms of the culture, I love that we've, over the course of the past few years, built a winning culture that you come to the Thorns to win, whether that's the Shield or the cha- NWSL Championship. That's what we've built. Emily, you came in at an interesting time because the team was coming off a title, but it was also had changed coaches at the time you were coming in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, coming in as a rookie is way different than having the experience you have now. What is it even like looking back on that time? Because we didn't know it then, but the, the team was going to go through a couple years of some hard lessons to find out what it was at that time. Um, it's hard because that was obviously so I hadn't expect, and obviously under a rock, but I also didn't really <laughs> follow the league all that well before. And so I think I, no, I think I was starstruck. <laughs> I'm treated how I should be treated. But yeah. everyone should be treated. Yes. I don't know. I think a lot of people would say that you don't get the attention you deserve. I mean, I know you've heard this before, but it bears mentioning when we're talking like this. I just, I need my head to stay small. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this brings up another thing I was told to ask Christine about. Christine, give me some insight as to your perception into Emily Menges's personal style. This was something that was Off on the, the field. Or like, on the field. Like style, like <laughs> clothing style? Clothing style. We talked about this a lot last week when Megan was on the show. Actually, most of the conversation was about her personal style. That was me driven. I was asking the question. She didn't just bring it up. Who was on the show? Klingenberg. Oh, oh, Klingenberg. Oh, yeah. So Megan. we talked. Yeah, we talked about her hair. We talked about her clothes. We talked about her personal identity. So somebody asked me to ask Christine to give her impression of your personal style. <laughs> Christine Sinclair is now looking toe um, to shoulder. Will it stand up? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to play charades right now. Um, Emily is doing a catwalk across the room. It's not the most graceful of catwalks, but it's a catwalk. <laughs> I think she fits into Portland perfectly. Yeah. Like just laid back. Yeah, I was wondering Easy why. Going. I was wondering why her favorite German asked me to ask you this. Was there some kind of story behind this that. Wait. Well, Magda, yeah, Magda. Oh, Magda's the person that I definitely have to go to. For, for <laughs> I was going to say, which favorite German are you referring to? No, it has. I mean, they'll both claim to yeah, be, but Magda's the favorite. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I just basically went to Magda and go. I actually don't want to talk about yeah. soccer. What should we talk about? And I had like Charlie on the list. I had other things that I'm going to ask. I'm just glad that Magda's got rid of her whatever she was wearing them. that have like holes in the bottom. That oh, you've the worn them ever. so much <laughs> that like you can't wear them. Two thirds of the time in Portland because it's raining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad Nike was nice enough to give us new shoes. Five years later, <laughs> Emily has finally accepted she lives in one of the rainiest cities in the country. Oh, they, my, those shoes are banned from travel. <laughs> yeah, these shoes don't have holes in the bottom. It's good. I just don't think she wastes anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the soccer boots she wears. So, like those, like sherbet colored ones. That I think Nike released about eight years ago. <laughs> so good. Which were yours. Sat in the back of my minivan for four years. And then you found them. And then them. I found them when and I got wore them car. all year. Oh <laughs> this is a very Portland aesthetic. Yeah. You're reusing, you're recycling. Yeah. So yeah, speaking of, we've got a lot of people coming into town this weekend. I imagine a few thousand of the people here are going to be coming in for the game. What is your guide to experiencing Portland? What are the two or three things that people who haven't been here before absolutely need to do before leaving? Come to the Thorns game. Yeah, good luck getting tickets. What's plan B there? <laughs> I think I all the tickets now are just obstructed view tickets. You should still buy those tickets, but yeah. The yeah, t- we can like cut down the poles and things to get. To yeah, I think so. Early. We're cutting down other things in the stadium right now, so that Sell works. Tickets yeah. for the yeah. I mean, crane seats. Right? Right. That'd be awesome. I mean, yeah. No, really. Yeah. Sure. That's like bird's eye view. That's quality. Yeah. Why we need to go upstairs and tell Mike about this. Yeah. It's a good, this mm. is a great idea. Mm. Um, let's see. I, I mean, take a scooter. Mm-hmm. They're actually so annoying to me because yeah, I everywhere. almost hit one on my, while I'm yeah. driving every single day. They're Have you seen FaceTime on them? Have I you seen Nadine's scooter? No. 
Magda got Nadine a scooter yeah. for her birthday. Goes 15 miles per hour and like she's she, crazy on this thing. She got her one, even yeah. though there's free ones around. But the it's city? like her own scooter. Like oh, that she can. She, she bought it up and parked it in the suites the other day. She, Nadine did. Yeah. She was up there for some reason. She just drove it into an office. I'm just going to put this here and just walked oh, around that for your like. Accent? <laughs> oh no! That I'm is just going to. I'm going to put this here. Yeah. You sound like you Arnold sound Schwarzenegger. Mean, right? Yeah, they are mean. They're very mean. Well, I don't know if they're actually mean, but the sound they sound does. mean. Nadine goes into a meaner accent when she like in serious mode. She has a lighter accent for sure. Yeah, I'll agree with that. No, I would say grab it. grab a bike or a scooter and go on a nice brewery tour. That's oh, a good, good idea. One. Yeah, yeah. There are seventy three thousand breweries in the city. Like oh, you, I'm like really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like wait, what a stat! <laughs> what a st- Surely that's more than Denver. <laughs> oh my god, seventy three thousand. Seventy three thousand. All right, yeah, seventy three thousand. Coffee shops. Coffee shops. Yeah, start with coffee. Mm-hmm. Buzz around. To get the buzz going, bring it back down. Bring it back Being down. Be in that weird middle ground for your, the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yum. Maybe grab a piece of pizza. That is the thing about tour. Portland. There's like no one thing to do. You just got to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Stop at some food trucks. Ooh, mm-hmm. yum. Speaking of a little bit of everything, this is a great segue. Y'all <laughs> been through a lot this season. <laughs> you got a big game on Saturday. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> Smooth <you>. transitions. <laughs> so about soccer. Yeah, profession. Very professional. So speaking I, of beer, yeah. soccer season. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to ask you about the game that's coming, mostly because you're going to be asked that 23,000 times this week. I want to ask you, looking back on the season, what are your best memories of what's happened so far? <laughs> so far, okay. The- if I asked you this, I was about to say, if I asked you this question a week ago, you would have said beating Seattle on Saturday, for sure, on Friday. For sure. I would say I, well, one, I was hurt in the beginning, so that was not fun. But I think with this team, we've all said it in the last few years at least, even if we dig ourselves in a hole, we know that we have the talent and we have the faith in each other to dig ourselves back out of a hole, and we just have the faith in the process of. Mm-hmm. have each other's back it'd be nice if you guys stopped testing that theory or yeah, finding new ways to test it yeah um well christine i want to ask you a version of that question you guys are a win away from what would be a third star which means you've had a number of very good teams in this club's history how does this year's team compare to ones over the last five six years Ooh, good question I think it, if we happen to win the Saturday, I think I'd put this one number one. Mm-hmm. Just with the adversity we faced early on in this and how this team has rebounded. And we've been peaking these past, like, two months, I'd say. And I think our results show that. That if I, you can only imagine what this team could have been capable of had we have been healthy throughout the entire season. But you guys also planned this. You knew at the beginning of the year so many people were going to be gone that the first couple months were going to be about building the team rather than getting the prime result every time. Yeah, I think, I mean, you look back to some of the games that we played early on and just how we, like, grinded out some results and how some ties felt like absolute victories for us. (laughs) You know, just knowing that we just need to get some points early on in the season. Um but, I mean, these past, like, eight to ten games have been have been remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes you excited for next year. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, you guys can't think this way, but I've been thinking this way a lot this week, that it's going to be awesome just to have the game on Saturday. So no matter the result, congratulations on another good year. Congratulations on building something that could be even more successful next year. And best of luck on Thank Saturday. You Thank much. you so much. We are at Providence Park now. You guys got to listen to that interview. That took a little bit of time to get going. The person that's with me now did not get to listen to the interview. Uh, People who read Stumptown Foodie know Caitlin Best. People who listen to Red Smoke Radio. Is that what it's called? Yeah, you nailed it. Thanks. I've been working on that. Did I hit the delivery? I think I could tell that it was really hard for you not to say a different name that that you you really wanted to say. And I'm really proud of you for for saying the actual name instead. Thanks. Well, before we started talking, I was 100% sure that I knew it was Red Smoke Radio. (laughs) But since online a couple times, I've made up different names. As the words were coming out of my mouth, I was like, wait a minute. If I take you this for granted, is Red Smoke Radio one of the names I made up? Maybe it is. I don't know. It was suggested by a listener, so maybe you made it up and suggested it to him. No, I, I suggested I suggested Thorslandia. 
Okay, there we go. There it is. That would have won the poll. How many more times? Uh, what are we setting the over uh, over under at for the number of times that you were going to say Thornlandia in the whatever fifty? I said Thornlandia. Am I mispronouncing it? It's yeah, Thorn- you are. It's, it's actually Thornlandia. So I was going to ask you to power rank our worst on running jokes. Because we have a lot of on-running okay, jokes. Okay, so number one, the height thing. No, yeah, that's the problem. I was afraid I'd bring this up, and we would only think of the height thing because it is so number one with a bullet. It's the worst one. It's like far. It's as far up above the other bad jokes as the North Carolina courage are above the rest of the league. It, it is the North Carolina Cur- courage of of, re- of bad recalls. Yeah. Yes. Um, we now have one as of the other night of they. They saw all the animals, Caitlin. Yeah, that's a good one. That, I actually really like that one. So for people that don't know... So, we, so power ranking of how bad they are, that one's pretty low. That one's... Yeah. So for people who don't know... Now we've got to explain all of these. <laughs> uh, for people who don't know, we have friends in town. We were out with them. They went to the zoo and Caitlin kept asking I, them which animals they saw after they said they saw all the animals. I think actually the phrasing was every animal. And I, I just want to clarify, it happened one time. Our, our friend said we went to the zoo, and I, was, I said, "Which animal did you say?" It's oh, sort of, yeah. So the, as they were explaining, we saw every animal. Yeah, they said they saw all the animals, and then you asked, "Oh, did you see the seal that goes backwards?" Yes. yes. Did you see X, Y, yeah, Z? Yeah, yeah. And then finally, somebody said they we saw, saw all every, every animal. animal. Every animal. It's gonna be all though. That's just a little bit better for the me. So? I think so. Okay. Well, agree to disagree. Yeah. I'm what's, tr- what's your favorite zoo animal? My favorite zoo animal. I don't think I've been to a zoo since I was a kid. I, I tend to like looking at the bears. Yeah, the bears are cool. Yeah. The bears have a lot of personality. They do. They do a lot of fun stuff. The they lions do. and stuff just kind of lie around, but the bears are a little more Yeah. Active. Uh, I think also because of the movie Anchorman, I might think uh, I might be yeah. thinking of that. The, you know, the dunamont of Anchorman where mm-hmm. they have to go into the bear pit yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of bear pits, there was a game <laughs> on Saturday that was very much like <laughs> Great transition. It was very much like a bear a bear versus anchor people fight. <laughs> Yeah, you could put it that way. You could. Wait, which side is the bear? I think it'd have to be Seattle, right? Yeah. Um, Because the bears lose an Anchorman, so it'd have to be. Right. Yeah. Actually, they make friends in Anchorman because Baxter, or is it Baxter the dog, jumps into the bear pit and starts speaking bear to the attacking bear. Yeah, I have to be honest. I think I was, I I fell asleep like two thirds of the way through that movie, and I think it was probably before that point. But it's um, okay. I'm glad you made this uh, analogy. At at, at the Thorns section of the podcast, Anchorman's not too popular. In the Timbers section, (laughs) it is. All the references are Anchorman references, so I'm glad you're I'm glad you're here at minute 49 of the show because <laughs> your shtick would not go over in the beginning part. That's why we had to have, had to have Will here. But so kind of the same story we've been seeing a lot from the Thorns lately. They make life more difficult on themselves than yeah. it need be. Megan Rapino pings a ball off the crossbar, lands at Jasmine Spencer's feet. Yep. She scores. From then on. Well, I guess I wouldn't say from then on, because there was about 15 minutes there that you were kind of like, mm. I'm not exactly sure the Thorns are going to do the thing. Yeah. But I have to say, going back and rewatching it, which I did just today, um, I didn't. I think in real time, I thought that first half was worse than I thought it was in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Seattle definitely has a better of the half, like by far. But the Thorns had some chances. The Thorns do manage to press in the way that they want to at times, particularly um, towards the end of the half. I think. Yeah. So you're right. You're right. I think that that goal represents a turning point, sort of in the same way that the other goal did the previous week. Right. It just came a lot later in the half. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result, the momentum, they don't have the benefit of that momentum building up like throughout that first half like they did uh, two weeks ago against Seattle. Yeah. For people who didn't watch the game, one, why are you listening to a podcast this deep if you're not willing to watch the semifinal? Maybe they want to get into the thorns. and Maybe something happened last week. Maybe they didn't couldn't pay their cable bill. Yeah. Wow. I really need to consider these things. Um, you know, I'll edit it out. It's okay. So... Seattle has the edge and shots through most of the half. A lot of the play is in the north end where Seattle's attacking. They, I think they accumulate like six or seven corner kicks in the mm-hmm. first half. And it's only towards the end of the first half that the Thorns start coming into it. And they score a goal in the 44th minute. Haran sets up Tobin. Tobin gets Lydia Williams to go down and then finishes are towards we, the far Are post. we just skipping over 80 Franch? No, we're not. Okay, can we rewind? I was building up the context around 80 Franch's performance. Okay. All right. But it was a good question because, wow, if I didn't mention 80 Franch. So the Thorns go into halftime tied 1 1, right. seemingly on the back of Tobin Heath's goal, but not at all on the back of Tobin Heath's goal. It was all 80 Franch who made at least, I would say, three remarkable stops. Yeah, Some three, people might say out of four. Three incredible saves. Yeah. That I- Remember, She had one save on Jody Taylor that looked incredible that she kind of crossed herself up on. She made it more difficult for yeah, herself than she need be. But, you know, goalkeepers in this league, I think, tend to get rewarded for that uh, that, that kind of 
yeah. sort of she, self-imposed She kind of bledsoed it. Yeah. She did. Uh, but it was in that way, a good half for 80 French is kind of like an exclamation point to an often overlooked level of contribution to the mm-hmm. team because particularly over the last couple of months, we're so used to the attack being dominant. Yeah. And AD doing her thing in spurts. AD right. had to do her thing over a 40-minute spurt yeah. on Saturday. And, the, and this season, the attack, I mean, I think maybe last season, obviously, French won Keeper of the Year and all that. This season, I think the story has been a lot more about the offense than it has been in previous seasons. Um, like, it, that league-leading defense was a thing that people talked about the last two years in a row. So th- this season, with the offense looking so good and so dominant, yeah, I think you're right that those kind of those contributions from AD look get a little bit overlooked. And I was been wondering about that a lot this week because one of the angles I was going to write about last week and ask them about is like, okay, how important is it to keep a clean sheet on Saturday against Seattle? Because a lot of the identity last year was in was keep, clean sheets. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think either of us think that. Well, the clean sheet obviously in the final was very important. It's hard to imagine a game where they get into yeah. a game where three or four goals are scored right. where things end up on their side. But this year. I can't decide if I think the identity of the team has changed that much, but clearly it, it has on some level. I think it has, though. Yeah. And I don't... You're right. It's a hard question because I, I definitely don't want to say that they they have been benefiting from going down early mm-hmm. as they have been the last few games. But also each time they go down a goal, you see this change happen in the team. And the players all talk about that after the game where they, they say, this is what motivated us to, to get back in the game, to play the game we want to play. And I don't know. It's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think it is, too. The players keep saying that. I don't know if they're talking themselves into it or not, but it certainly seems but, that but way. But you like, also, I mean, you see that shift, too. Yeah. And it just seems, and then talent-wise, too. When you have a team that has Tobin Heath playing at the level she is, Lindsey Horan playing at the level she is. We saw Christine Sinclair break out her other gear this weekend. Mm-hmm. Caitlin Ford is just an absolute tank. I, I want to yeah. stop and talk about Caitlin Ford I for a little too. bit. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I saw a tweet on I, your timeline a while ago about so, this. So as I was, another thing as I was rewatching this game mm-hmm. is you were giving me a little bit of flack last week for up here in the press box uh, for talking about, talking about how good Caitlin I, Ford is at soccer. Do you remember this? I do remember it, but I was giving you flack just because, one, it's a tweet that normally you don't see people saying, like, oh, Caitlin Ford is so good right now. I'm so... I can't remember what was the tweet. I think the tweet was, I'm obsessed with how good Caitlin Ford is at soccer. Okay, so obsession in any form is a little bit weird. We can talk well, about that. you notice I didn't... I said I'm obsessed with how good she is at soccer. Okay, it would have so, been a really weird tweet if you didn't have that last part on there. I, I just want to point out and yes. clarify that I didn't have... Yes. I it, did have the last part on there. Okay. Um, the other thing, though, is that I don't disagree with you. In fact, after the first game against Seattle, I went up to Caitlin. I think I told you this story. Yes. Caitlin was not happy with the fact that she had a couple of chances that she didn't convert on. Yeah. I said, Caitlin, you were so awesome today. I hope people notice it because I'm saying Caitlin with a C here, not Caitlin with a K. Yeah. Because every time you got the ball, nobody could take it off you. And then she said to me, except for the times I shot it right to them. Right. <laughs> she has been as impactful, I think, as you can be without getting yeah, on the score sheet. This is what I've been saying. Like, even if I, this is probably pushing it a little bit, but I almost want to say that even if she didn't touch the ball mm. ever, she would still be having an impact on this team. I think she would definitely be having an impact on opposing defenders because she has this thing where she like gets underneath them, gets around them, and just kind of like sticks her body into their thigh to dislodge them from their position. And it's awesome to watch, especially when she gets mad because at the end of the first half, she went on that run where she just kept like battering ramming all of Seattle. And then, of course, I mean, okay, so she can touch the ball, which is really good, I think. Yeah, when she does that, she's generally good at that. So so on Tobin Heath's goal, you know, Mm -hmm. you talk about Tobin Heath's finish all day. Yeah. But... The way that Caitlin Ford draws like four defenders to her um, and slips the ball into Haran and then Haran finds Heath and that's that's what she does for the team. She doesn't need to be scoring goals to be important to this team. Yeah, I don't want to be somebody that seems like they're speaking bad about Anna Maria Cernogorcevic because I'm a huge fan of hers. Yeah. And uh, I think that she's going to have a huge part, a positive part to play in the final on Saturday. But for me, I almost feel foolish for considering to myself whether Caitlin Ford should be in the starting 11 oh, this yeah. year. Yeah, because once she has, basically once we got back from the international break, she's been playing at a level you're like, no, this yeah. is not even a debate. Yeah. She's on another level. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about some other players. I think a lot of talk since the game has been about Ellie Carpenter versus Megan Rapino. Mm-hmm. I've watched the games a couple times too. What did you think about that matchup? I thought that Carpenter did really well. Um, I don't know. What else can you say? I 
she got some help from some other some other players I handling guess. that that whole left side of the Seattle offense. I think that when you talk about Megan Rapinoe, you also need to talk about Steph Catley and the way that she's always making those overlapping runs and. Yeah, I thought that was the the big turning point of the first half because it was very clear to me, at least, and I don't know if you saw it this way too, that Mark Parsons was trying to make sure that access to Megan Rapinoe was hard, yeah. and that the numbers game in that corner of the field was always going to be in Portland's favor. Yeah, and I don't feel like Seattle was really making the most of their possession until. Jessica Fishlock started drifting over mm-hmm. there. The numbers game evened out. She drew the foul right. from Emily Sonnet. Um, and then there was a chance right after that, too, where Fish set it up. So I I almost feel like looking at it in terms of Ellie versus yeah, yeah. Megan over something. And then also it's Ellie... A little, it's a little reductive just to talk about this individual matchup when there's a yeah. lot more going on on that left I think there was also, I think it was in the 36 minute that Franch had to save that one ball diving to her right where she hit the post where Rapino got inside. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Let's just start the segment over. That was ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, God. I can't believe it. I only know that because I wrote in my notes, I came actually really prepared and I wrote the three minutes. Okay. At which she made her really good saves in the first half. Yeah, we should so. we should have either Nikita or Chris come up here and take a picture of that because we're going to need to post it on the site. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, my notes are art. Yeah. But I, I think that at that moment, Megan Rapinoe got the best of Ellie Carpenter, even though it yeah. was just like a random moment. But, you know, I think it was a, I think it was a team effort to contain Megan Rapinoe. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, I think it also hints just a very good plan on Mark Parsons and Rich Gunny's part that they put that together and... The, one of the top two most dangerous players in this league, if not the world, was uh, limited to set-piece effectiveness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and not to not to downplay Ellie Carpenter yeah, being 18 yeah. years old and yeah. having basically shutting Rapino down, again, not single-handedly, but yeah. being able to shut her down often, one-on-one, mm-hmm. throughout the game. All right. Emily Sonnet, 44th minute. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry, 43rd minute. Can we check your notes? <laughs> Uh, extended leg, going for a ball. Lydia contacts with Lily Williams. Sonnet's already carrying a yellow card. Yeah. Should Sonnet have been sent off? In this league? <laughs> In life. <laughs> I think you can definitely make an argument. Uh, well, okay. make the argument to yourself and then tell me if you believe the argument. Make the argument to myself. And like in your head. If I believe the argument. Yeah. Well, the argument is basically in any other circumstance or a predominant number of circumstances, mm-hmm. the player who committed that foul isn't already carrying a yellow and likely gets a yellow. Right. So, the the, sec- and the second, like, should the second yellow like be softer than the first yellow? Or sorry, that's the wrong way to phrase it. Right. Should, should you the, have to? Should, should there the be bar, a higher bar? Should the bar be higher yeah. for the second yellow? Like you get and a I yellow think, card and then all of a sudden you're allowed to go yeah, around headbutting I, people. I think the answer is no. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, I mean probably. Yeah. I thought I thought when that happened it was going to be a major talking point after the match and it wasn't. Um, yeah. Well, there's a lot to talk about in this match. So tell me something you want to talk about. What's what's lingering with you? This is I watched this just like an hour what, ago. I don't know which things I I like should should talk about. Okay. I know the things I want to talk about. Tell on the me podcast, the, tell me things, things that are podcast clean 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 that you want to talk about. I would like to talk about since you brought up Serena Gorsuch a few minutes ago. Okay. I would like to talk about her defensive impact on the game when she subbed in. Oh yeah. Of. Yeah, what, tell me. I, I thought she made a big difference, and again, in that that left side of uh, the Seattle offense, mm-hmm. I thought that you saw a big difference. She's coming in, she's watching Catley. Yeah, she was she was helping out Ellie Carpenter. I thought in a way that you didn't see happening in the first half. Yeah, and then also you just see. I mean, she she helped to set up the, uh, the second goal as well, where she's she's there with her back to the Seattle defense, and she's like. She, just her sort of she's, physical she's, presence, and she's actually field. pointing at Christine Sinclair when yeah. the ball is played back to Celeste yeah, Ray, yeah. like throw the ball there. Yeah, but her and her and Tobin are both coming in to pressure Rumi Itsugi yeah. there. And I also thought there were other points in the half, like when Seattle was trying to take their play from their right to their left. There was a notable play where Sornagoshevich comes in, cracks back on the defensive midfielder, wins a ball about forty yards from goal, and. I thought that there was noticeable improvement there, oh, yeah. and it begs the question: Who should start against Seattle this weekend at right against uh, whoever? Insert team name here since we're <laughs> recording before. Uh, who should start at right wing in the title game? I think Sertigorsvich has to start because I yeah. think that defensively she looks better than Purse has been looking, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that's my answer. Wow, today is Mitch Purse's birthday. Is it really? Yeah. Listen, I love Mitch. Does Purse. that change your answer? No. 
Okay. Listen, I'm a big fan of Mitch Purse. They sang a high school musical in the locker room today. Yeah, I'm aware of that. Oh, yeah. That's I, don't, right. I never, I haven't ever seen High School Musical. Either have I. That could have been any song. It could have been any song. It could have been from it. Greece. I don't think I've ever seen Greece either. Yeah. So we do have some questions. Most of them are from our mutual friends who use this opportunity for us to be on the podcast to uh, berate us. Oh, I, I actually thought of an answer to one of these questions that I'm not sure if is a question we want to answer, but I do have one. Go for it. You go first. Let me see. I got to find it. In my, okay. In my so first I'll, first I will prompt a question from our friend Kelly. Okay. She says, for being part of two double posts, is the North End goal the most blessed object oh, in soccer history? I, this is maybe my biggest personal embarrassment coming out of this game is that I didn't realize in the moment that that was another double post. Really? That was an offensive double post. <laughs> you know and what's to, even more? To the point where people after the game were like, it was a double post. It went off the double post again. And I was like, ah, no, it didn't. And then I watched it again and I was like, oh. What's even more embarrassing is I saw it was a double post and I didn't care. And you didn't. Yeah. And I didn't care. Like I didn't like. Did the type... thought go through your head? Oh, this is just like in 2015 no. when the Timbers. That so part didn't. It took until after the game. One of our cameramen came to me like, hey, that was the second double yeah. significant double post goal in history. I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. That feels like something that somebody who is hired to cover this club should think of in the first, I don't know, 30 minutes after the goal. But uh, I think yeah. it was 31. <laughs> I think it was 31. Yeah. For, well, for me, it was like probably two, two and a half hours. So that's why you work here and I don't, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. What's the question that you found? So the question uh, that I found is from uh, Alex Stoller. Um, he asks... And that's how you pronounce that name? That's how I'm saying it. Yeah. I, I see him online. I don't really know. Uh, what D&D class slash race is each member of the Thorn starting 11? Oh my God. Really? We don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Oh wait, let me. I, let, I did write let's it down. just go through a, a few of them because eleven is okay. a lot. And I didn't. I didn't do race because I just it was too much. Yeah. Um, and I don't. Oh, so I don't, okay, I, so. I don't want to get into the racial characteristics of these. Yeah, this is. We've talked about this before. This is actually one of the worst parts of, of D&D. yeah of yeah. role playing. Okay, go go ahead. You if you okay. haven't written down well, that, we'll fire them off. I have it written down. So um, I think Kling is a bard. I think Mengus is a druid. I think Sonnet is definitely a barbarian. Okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. Um, I think Carpenter, Carpenter put as a ranger. Which, yeah. Maybe an elf. Yeah. But that's well, not, that's an, not, an a, that's not fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I said Bure is a wizard, just sort of, yeah. She's sort of more cerebral. She sort of reads the game and understands like, what's going on. Celeste the Brown. Yeah, exactly. Um, Haran, I said, is a warlock, which is, you know, do you know what a warlock yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Somebody who's like animated by some like extra planar entity with a, tremendous amount of power god goldberg is gonna be so mad at this podcast <laughs> <laughs> go on uh christine sinclair obviously is a paladin yeah heath is a sorcerer um sternagorsvich i said is a cleric that's a oh cleric. yeah that's really good though i think, I think. So. yeah yeah but it kind of seems like you were running out of stuff and you wanted to like well i didn't do this in order okay and then ford is a fighter yeah she's just the yeah. tank of the party right 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 ford has a lot of hit points yes. which but then she's prone to like a major injury too yeah but that's you're jumping into the fray. That's sort of part of what you. It just uh, feels like for. it feels like there's been a lot of natural twenties rolled against her. Yeah. <laughs> well, this leads to one of the another question from Donna. Donna says updates on Sonnet's injury. Caitlin, do you have any updates on Sonnet's injury? <laughs> no, um, Sonnet's injury. It looks like um, she's going to be fine. We'll have to wait for Mark Parsons, who did not have media availability on Tuesday, but it seems like she is in a good place right now. Um, let's go to Jeanette. Any idea what insight Jill Ellis got from attending the game <laughs> on Saturday? So this is in response to um, people noting that Jill Ellis was on she hand was to there. see Adriana French in goal for a match-saving performance. So what do you think she got from that, Caitlin? I hope she got that she should be starting AD French for the national team, but I don't know whether that is what she got. Yeah. I will say, um, I think part of A.D. French's plight with the national team this year stems from Jill Ellis being at Merlo Field when the Thorns in preseason played the U.S. U-23s, and A.D. French had a not-good game. Emily Sonnet also had a very not-good game, too. Uh, a certain sophomore Stanford forward tore right. up Sonnet and then uh, made French look bad a couple of times. I think that might have set French back, but I'm not sure that that uh, coin flips the other way. I would hope that, I would hope that people's minds can change. I would hope so too. I like to think that. Yeah, as a world, I yeah, hope we all could change. In general. Yeah, I saw a speech in this movie called Rocky Four about this one, so it was really oh, I influential. Seen that one either. <laughs> Again, another <laughs> top half of the podcast <laughs> reference the that I'm bringing in here. Um, let's ask another question from our friend Jackie. Why are you the way you are? 
think that's we can a, skip by this one. Okay, it was that directed to you or me? You think it was directed to me? I'm hoping. I don't know, man. I don't think our mutual friends are so mutual. Glenn asks, "Why did you copy Dallin? Okay, come on. <laughs> Why did you copy Dallin Cuff's haircut? I don't. Hold on. Is he? Is Dallin's down there right now? Yeah, I think so. Do you see him? No, he might not be. Yeah, no, I see him. Do we don't have the same haircut? Do we? You both have. We're all nearly sh- shaved hair. Okay. So it's pretty close. Um, Ray's Quest asks a real question. Do you know what the official kickoff time is for Saturday's championship game? I don't know for sure, but I'm hearing it is at 58 of the hour, not 30 of the hour. So, oh, Laura, the star, the star of the Thorn staff is here right now. A guest appearance on the Thorns Heavy podcast. Hey Bye, Laura. Hey. Okay, so let's get to the, this game on uh, Saturday. We're here now as... People are starting to come out. Teams yeah. are starting to warm there's up. There's the We're, courage right there. Yep, there's the courage. We're 45 minutes before kickoff. Uh, it's hard to talk about this game because we don't know which team the Thorns are going to be facing. Why don't we just talk about that quickly? Which team do you, do you think... Wanna, do you want to just sort of say some generalities about the game of soccer and then like we can put in... Yeah. Like I'll just say... Just pause. When North you- Carolina Courage... Chicago Red Stars, and you can just sort of put those in wherever. Okay, and then I can just I'll you do that. I'll okay. say Rory Dames, Paul Riley. Okay, Perfect. now let's just give a generic preview of Saturday's game. Uh, the Thorns are going to have to give it everything they've got if they want to more score more goals than the other team to win the championship. I think the the difficulty in facing is that they have so many weapons, and they're weapons that has learned to use over the course of the season. So if Mark Parsons takes this game lightly at all, is going to get the better of him. And I think that's got to be a point of pride for him. He cannot get beaten tactically by on Saturday. That's so true. And I think you can't ever discount what can do, especially at Providence Park. Yeah. And we have to remember, (laughs) going on the road in Portland, it's going to be a major point of pride. I mean, as an organization, would... Put, be allowed to put a bigger star above their crest almost if they pull this off. I can't do okay, this from the Thorns' perspective, though, it, it's I don't even know how to phrase this question. I was, was going to say, are they in a good place going into the? I mean, they're in as good a place as they could possibly be, shy yeah. of having Kath Reynolds and Haley Rosso healthy. Right. Uh, so, are you asking me? Do I think they're in a good place going into the game? I guess. I guess implicitly, I'm asking you if you agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they're. I think I agree. They're. I think peaking. I don't know if you want to say peaking. Mark doesn't ever want to say that. But no, they're reaching the. You can always get better. Yeah, you can always get better. But but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. They are reaching the highest point in their momentum. Yeah. If you were to plot out a, a graph of yes, how you want this team how, to play, of how good Thorns are, right? And you started that graph at week zero, and yeah. you're at week twenty six now. It is pretty much it's exactly where you point. would hope yeah. this team would be. Yeah. So the question is, and again, listeners will know by the time they hear this: Do we think the best version of the Courage or the Red Stars can beat the best version of the Thorns? Yes, but not. I mean, I'm not going to say that a hundred percent of the time the best version of one of those teams is going to beat the best version of the Thorns. Like, okay, is, yeah, is that sort of the that makes sense to me. Question? Like, all of these teams are playing at a level to where they're going to go into this nebulous zone where yeah. soccer is going to happen, right? I mean, yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's kind of a cop out answer, mm-hmm. but I do feel like any of these teams can beat any of these other teams on whatever day. Absolutely, I mean, there's just so much talent on both these teams. I mean, I legitimately think the three teams still alive yes. in the playoffs are the three best teams yeah. the NWSL has ever produced. I agree, yeah. I actually, even looking back on the teams last year, don't even think it's particularly close. I don't either. So, I, I've, I've asked other people this question. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, what you're saying right now is that this Thorns team is better than the, the one that won the championship. Yeah, they're yeah. way more capable. Yeah, I agree. We talked about it earlier. Defensively, maybe they aren't as strong, but I think a lot of that is because they are playing into the vastly greater weapons they have in attack. Yes. And I think that's this, – this Thorns team is – Yeah, their, their offense is just so much more complete than it has ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, okay, just compared to last year. It's yeah. much more complete than last year. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, the other thing we do on this show is that we hang out points for stuff. If you have an accurate prediction, you get more points Jesus. than less. So um, let's, we forgot You're to do that at the beginning of the segment. This. Based on what you saw. You're going to make me predict. Just give yourself some points for last week's game. Oh, you want me to give myself Well, points. I'm going to give them to Jamie, but you can give them to yourself, and then I will transpose them onto Jamie. And you can okay. use whatever standard you uh, want to give yourself points. Well, I didn't know it was going to happen going into the next game, and okay. I re- persistently refused to make predictions. Yeah. 
So I'm just going to award myself. I mean, what's what's a really good score? I, usually when somebody nails a score prediction, it'll be between 20 and 30 points. Okay. So I definitely, I think, predicted that Haran was going to score. Okay. So I feel like that's something. I, I think, think my, that's more. Yeah, that's more than I, just but a but score but prediction. But that's also kind of a low... I mean, that's a that's an easy answer. Yeah, I kind of right? just wanted you to say a number, to be honest with you. <laughs> Am I thinking too much about this? I don't know. I think you're thinking the appropriate amount, but I wanted to be really, really flippant about it. I'm going to give myself uh, 17.5 points. Okay, that's great. So, Jamie, okay. congratulations. You got 17.5 points. I'm going to give myself zero. Wow. Yeah, I don't even know why I'm giving myself zero. But Do you um, always give yourself zero? Is that the, the thing? I usually predict very poorly because I can't predict actual game scores. So I have to predict random things that happen in the games. And I usually try to go for things that are really rare. Oh, yeah. So that I'll get more points if they okay, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you could have predicted yeah. the double post and it, you didn't. And yet I didn't. But wait, wait. I, I did predict the double post, as I recall from last week. So I'm going to go ahead and give myself... <laughs> no. Um, predict, predictions for Saturday. You said you persistently will not give predictions. But your general feeling, are the Thorns going to be able to pull this off? My general feeling is the Thorns can pull this off, but I, I don't know that they will. I think I think that... Can I give a prediction based on either? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think if Chicago makes it through, Chicago will win. Okay. North Carolina, I think... I mean, okay. And, and again, it's a thing where like it can go either way. I don't want to say like yeah. for sure. But I, Chicago, I feel like there's a good vibe around the team right now. And I feel like they've, they feel like this is their year. Okay. Well, for people who don't know, Caitlin... Her work can be found at Stumptown Footy. Uh, a little less often at the NWSL's website. She also writes for Equalizer Soccer occasionally. You need to pay the price there to get behind the paywall. But she pops up here and there. Uh, she's a general freelance writer who is one of the best soccer writers here in Portland. And she also, with her partner Tyler Nguyen, has a podcast called Red Smoke Radio. Thank you very much for doing this this week. Thanks for having me, Richard. And thanks, everybody, for listening to this Jamie Goldberg-less show. She's going to be back next week to save the podcast from my rambling and berating of my personal friends. But until then, thank you very much for listening. You can get the show at Stumptown Footy, Oregon Live, or through Timbers.com. Thank you for listening to Soccer Made in Portland.